Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. One of the many wonderful I wills spoken by the Savior is found in the Gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 3, where he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. What a tremendous promise. And again, when the Lord Jesus Christ ascended back to heaven from Bethany, the angels standing by the disciples repeated the same assurance when they said, This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. There are many other scriptures that attest to this promise. So there's no doubt about it. Jesus is coming again. The big question is this. Will you be ready? In today's message, speaker Marvin Dirksen looks in more detail at this amazing coming event with a focus on the importance of knowing for sure that Jesus is coming for you. The Gospel of John chapter 14, we'll look at verse number 1. The Lord is in the upper room. He's speaking to his own, and obviously they are concerned. They are troubled. The atmosphere has changed, and so he very tenderly, in verse 1 of chapter 14 of John, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many abodes. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. It's really that last statement I'd like to look at tonight. I will come again and receive you unto myself. Here's the reason, that where I am, there ye may be also. We've been looking at some of the wonderful I wills of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that we're only touching the fringe of the fringe when we begin to speak along this way because the Lord Jesus spoke with with absolute authority. And that's what gives me such tremendous blessing to be able to proclaim a message that you don't have to try and make it fit. You can just tell it the way it is because it's a message of authority. It's a message of assurance. It's a message of hope. And we have read about the Lord Jesus. He says, you come to me and I will, I will give you rest. There's some here and we have come. And I might as well tell you, I'm enjoying this rest. Not that every day is a great day as far as the circumstances of life. Christians still have their difficulties, still get headaches, still get caught in traffic jams, and still have to write exams and pay bills. But ought to have rest and peace that's found in Christ. Nothing like it. So why haven't you come? The greatest blessing is being offered you. I will give you rest. That's a guaranteed promise if you are to come. The cross has a tremendous power in it. He says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, and he was, I will draw all unto me. 
Now, some have suggested that the Lord Jesus was referring to the fact that he will draw all kinds of people. And that is true. There's a day coming when from the vast reaches of this world, there will be men and women and they will be drawn to the presence of the Lord Jesus. Every race, every culture, every creed. God is doing a big work. Sometimes we get a very small view of what God is doing and we say, well, nothing's happening around here. Well, that might not be too accurate either. But if we could understand all that God is doing through the gospel, I think we would be tremendously encouraged. Because without a doubt, this day has brought many, many souls to Christ. I will draw all unto me. But we did notice, and this is the way I would look at it, that there's a day coming when every single individual will be drawn. Some have been drawn already in grace. But there will be a day when every unsaved, every unbeliever, will be brought to stand before his presence by sovereign power. And my dear friend, if you're not saved, you will be there. But tonight we've looked at a very wonderful prospect, his coming, with its tremendous prospect. And I might just say that I want to speak carefully tonight in view of this, because in one sense, the coming of the Lord Jesus is not part of the gospel. You know, wait a minute now, Marv, not part of the gospel? Well, you'll understand in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Paul could say this is the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and was raised again the third day according to the scriptures and he was seen and so on. But there's nothing about the coming of the Lord. certainly brings before us the, the truth of the resurrection. But really, in one sense, the coming of the Lord is not good news for this world. The gospel is good news, but for a sinking, guilty world, the truth of the Lord's coming is not good news. And that's why I want to speak carefully tonight, because without a doubt, the coming of the Lord was preached faithfully by the apostles. And down through the years, and even from this pulpit, the coming of the Lord has been preached with effectiveness. And I might as well tell you, it was a truth that stirred me. And when I thought of the Lord's coming, It was so real to me. And I thought, in my mind, if I ever get saved, I'll be the very last one before the Lord comes. Well, he hasn't come yet, but he is coming. He is coming. So I want to speak carefully because I trust it'll grip all of our hearts, starting with the speaker tonight. We'd like to tell you about this tremendous event that is coming in the future, perhaps today. I think a lot of people are interested in the future. And if you had a choice to see what the future would hold for you, I wonder, would you take time to pursue that? A lot of people are looking to the occult and to all kinds of individuals that claim to be able to forecast and predict the future. Well, we've read from a book that is absolutely trustworthy, that opens up the window of the future in a very, very dramatic and yet a very real way. And yet there have been those that have looked at the future and they've made all kinds of predictions. I'm just going to read you a couple of them because to me they're, they're very, very interesting. In 1893, there was a world exhibition, a world's fair that was held in Chicago, Illinois. It was called the Columbian Exhibition. And it was really the 400th anniversary of the coming of Christopher Columbus to North America. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue and so on. So this was 401 years later. And of course, the exhibition was a marvelous event, all kinds of wonderful displays and so on. There was a number of very intelligent individuals, and they were asked 
to give a prediction as to what the world would be like a hundred years from 1893. That would bring us to 1993. Now, these were the best of the best. These were men that had crystal clear vision. And so they wrote down some of their predictions. I'll read you some of them. There was a man by the name of Thomas DeWitt Talmadge, and he said by the 1990s, now we know that that's history already, but by the time of the 1990s, longevity or long life will be so improved that 150 years will be no unusual age to reach. Well, sorry, medical science has done a lot, but nobody's living to be 150. So that's not really all that accurate. TV Powderly had another idea. He said the confinement and punishment of criminals will occupy but little of the thought or time of the men of 1993. And our prisons aren't big enough to hold everybody. All the criminals, they're bulging at the seams. Here's another one Erasmus Wyman wrote. By the end of the 20th century, taxation will be reduced to a minimum. I wish. The entire world will be open to trade. Uh, Somewhat true. And there will be no need of a standing army. Uh, If he could be here, he'd understand how wild his prediction was. Here's one that makes a bit of sense. John Clark Ridpath said, The houses and cities of man built of aluminum shall flash in the rising sun with surpassing brilliance. And yes, there are times when you go down the city streets that you're amazed, especially at sunset or sunrise, at the beauty of steel and glass. Ray Standard Baker was an American journalist, an historian, an author, born in Lansing, Michigan, and he said, this was just after the automobiles came out, he says, when the autos first came out, he wrote, it will be almost as quiet as a country lane. All the crash of the horse's hoofs and rumble of steel tires will be gone. One more. A clergyman wrote, he said, laws are becoming more just, rulers more humane, music sweeter, Books more wise, homes are happier, and the individual heart more just and gentle. Hardly. Hardly. So people look down the road and they ask themselves, what kind of world will it be? Well, I want to focus tonight your future. Because what we have read tonight is one of the I wills of the Savior. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself. Now he's speaking to those that know him. This is not a general worldwide statement for every individual. This is for those that have received Christ. This is for those that belong to him. This is for those that are saved. Whose sins have been forgiven. He says I'm going to come back. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there you may be also. At the night, there's a number of us, a good number of us. And one of these days, we'll say goodbye to planet Earth, and we'll be going home, home. I wonder, will you come with us? Will we be there? I've often thought and I've often said that if we could just take the entire Bible and just reduce it to three main themes, I think it would go like this. The Old Testament tells us very plainly, he's coming, he's coming. There were prophets and they wrote about him. There were rulers and they spoke about him. There were those and they were looking for him. They tried to understand or to put it in our lingo, they were trying to join the dots. Isaiah must have wondered at what he wrote. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then he picks up his pen. He says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And Isaiah must have wondered, how do these coincide? How do they fit? But despite the wonderment, the message was, he's coming. He's coming. And then there was a moment, and it changed. And the message was, he's here. He's here. Shepherds watching their flocks by night. What were they talking about? Well, maybe they were talking about, I wonder when he's going to come. Should be the time. Must be getting awfully close. That's the way we talk, isn't it, today? It could well have been that they were talking about that tremendous event when the Messiah would come, and suddenly there was the angel. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day. He's here. A Savior, Christ the Lord. And four men pick up their pens. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they begin to write. And they say, look, you got to have a look at him. Listen to his words. Follow his steps. Because he's here. He's here. I wonder, have you ever considered him? Have you ever listened to his words? Have you ever stood at the cross by faith and wondered, why was he there? Because he really came. He's here. Then we watch as he goes back to heaven. And then the message changes again. That's where we are tonight. You know what we're saying? He's going to come again. He's going to come again. Did you hear that? He's going to come again. Ready or not. And that's why as we think of the Lord's return, for Christians, it's a blessed hope. It really is. For the Christian, the best is yet to come. We're going to leave all the struggles and the sorrows. We'll leave our sin behind. We'll be changed. What a tremendous, glorious event. Glory for us and glory for him. He's anticipating that moment just as we are anticipating that moment. And one of these days, it's going to happen. But for those that don't know Christ, it'll be the greatest tragedy because an open door will swing shut. So let me just very quickly just give you some of the features of this tremendous I will, I will come again. We understand it's the promise of the Savior. You know, when he gives a promise, you can count on it. It's 100% accurate. You can rely on it. It's absolutely true. It's trustworthy. You need to understand that he really is going to keep his promise. It could happen tonight. No, we're not setting dates, but it could happen tonight. Because, you see, this is one of the sterling, unchangeable promises of our Savior. But alongside of the promise of the Savior, it was the pronouncement of angels. Because there was a day... 40 days after he was raised from the dead that the Lord Jesus led his little band of disciples out to Bethany. He started the journey in the obscurity of Bethlehem, and he ended his earthly journey in the obscurity of Bethany, just a little town outside of Jerusalem. He led his disciples as far as to Bethany, and as he was speaking to them, suddenly he began to rise. You say, really? Really. We believe in the bodily ascension of the Lord Jesus. We really do. He began to move up. He had blessed them. And it could well have been that the last thing they saw of their Savior was his wounded feet until finally a cloud received him out of their sight. I would just take that literally. They had their necks kinked back and they were looking up. He's gone. He was right there. He's gone. And they were looking up and suddenly there were two men in shining garments standing alongside, and they said, you men of Galilee, 
Why stand ye gazing up unto heaven? This same Jesus that you've seen taken up unto heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. Now, the promise of the Savior was true, but now the pronouncement of the angels confirmed that. He is coming again. You've seen him go. In like manner, he's going to return. And one of these days, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. But there's something more. It involved the preaching of the apostles. The apostles preached the return of the Lord Jesus. How do I know? Well, we come to the assembly of Thessalonica, and there were people, and they heard the gospel just like you're hearing it tonight. They were made aware of their need. They were made aware of their sin and their guilt and their unpreparedness for the future. And the Bible says that there were those that they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. Where did they hear that? Paul's series of gospel meetings wasn't very long, was it? And he left. But all he had told them, the Savior that you trusted, he's going to come again. And now these believers, their lives were changed, and they were waiting. They were waiting for his son from heaven. I wonder, what, what are you waiting for? What's your future look like? I know we all have plans, and some are already thinking about what they're going to do after they finish school and what kind of a job they're going to get or some of their travels or whatever. But what about your real future? What about if the Lord were to come? My dear friend, this is a truth that you need to face because, you see, when he comes, it's going to be a coming of tremendous power. It's going to involve the rapture. Now, I know that's not a word in the Bible, but the truth is there. The word rapture is really from a Latin word that means to snatch away, to snatch away, to take by force. Rapa-o rapera is the Latin verb, to take by force. The rapture. And one of these days, this tremendous event of power is going to take place. There'll be, first of all, a resurrection of those who have died in Christ. Dead bodies are going to be raised again. New bodies. Body and soul brought together. And there'll be those that will be able to say, Oh, grave, where is your victory? You couldn't keep me. Oh, grave, where is your victory? And of course, almost simultaneously, there'll be the rapture. Individuals, Christians who are alive, will be snatched away in a moment. Bodies changed, and together will rise to be with our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. And if that were to take place tonight, we'd be able to say, O oh, death, where is thy sting? That's a great prospect, isn't it? To not have to face death. And for those that have died, whose remains are in the earth, there's a day coming, but we will see all of the redeemed again. And they'll be able to say, O oh, grave, where is your victory? I just want to focus for you just one more thing. Because this event of the future is an event that's marked with tremendous peril, danger, for those that are not ready. In fact, some of the strongest words of the Lord Jesus come in Luke chapter 13, where an individual says, Lord, are there few that be saved? What kind of numbers are you getting? What are the results of your campaign? How many are turning to you? Are there few that be saved? And the Lord doesn't answer the question, does he? But instead, he turns to that crowd and he said, strive to enter in. Because the day is coming when that open door will swing shut. When the master of the house will rise up and will shut to the door. And you will begin to stand without and to knock saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. 
That sobers me. Are we preaching to individuals and you will have to stand at the wrong side of a closed door? Lord, I intended to be saved. And Lord, I thought that there'd be more time. And Lord, I, 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 I did attend all the meetings. But the door is closed. The door is closed. That's the peril. That's the danger. And there's many an individual I'm convinced that intend to be saved, but be on the wrong side of that closed door. God is still showing grace. He doesn't want you to perish. He desires your eternal blessing. And that's why the patience of the Lord is staggering. It's amazing. He's not willing that any should perish. But my dear friend, there is a day coming. The Bible says, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. You know what that means? I think sometimes we say, if the Lord tarry, that's not scriptural. He's not going to tarry. It's not that he says, well, I I know this was the date, but I think I'll move it back. No, that's not going to happen. The date is set. He's going to come, ready or not. But oh, to think of the length of the day of grace. I trust tonight that you will be wise in view of your future, that you might receive Christ tonight and rejoice in that wonderful, blessed hope that changes everything. Because one of these days he will come. And the gospel as we know it tonight will be forever over. Receive Christ tonight and rejoice in that wonderful, blessed hope that changes everything. Because one of these days he will come. Yes, the coming of the Lord is certainly good news for saved sinners. How wonderful it will be to finally see him face to face and to be with him forever. But it is the opposite for those who have rejected and neglected God's salvation. They will find themselves on the outside of a closed door. What a perilous place that will be. All hope of salvation forever gone. Do you have assurance of being with the Lord when that moment comes? You can. Christ stands at an open door today. Be sure that you enter in while there is time. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.